What you're about to hear is a talkback for episode 5 of Streams and Variations. If you haven't heard episode 5 yet, please listen to that first, as we will be discussing those stories and songs and how they all fit together. You can find all our episodes, including episode 5, on our website, streamsandvariations.com, or on Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Let's get to it. Welcome to the talk back for episode five of Streams and Variations. Uh, I'm Sean Erker, co-producer of the podcast, and I am here with the usual host and other co-producer, Jamie Johnson. Hello. And I'm here with Kim Crosscup. Hi. Ben E. Wood. Hey. And Jarrett Rusnick. Hello. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us and for contributing to that episode, which is to be perfectly honest, I'm a little biased, maybe, but it's it's one of my favorites. I think it was a fantastic episode. Don't tell the others. No, I won't. They'll never know. It's yeah, a secret. Yeah, not, not in a million years. I have to admit, this was one of the most um, whole episodes that we've had so far. One that uh, where the story has a carry line that f- goes flows through the entire thing, and I thought it's it's quite wonderful. So I'm just going to get right into it. And to start off with, we sent a prompt to Jarrett as the first writer for the first monologue. And the prompt for this episode was a song called Love in Vain, and that song was by Robert Johnson, which is conveniently in the public domain, so we can, we yes. can quote it and uh, maybe even throw it in the episode. And uh, Yes, there, there, there was the concept of actually using the Rolling Stones version of it, and then I was like, no, that's not a good idea. It was idea. definitely not inspired by the still-copy-written <laughs> Rolling Stones version. It was inspired by the public domain version. Well, it's hard to tell, it's hard to tell And all your love's in vain All your love's in vain The train And uh, so just to throw a few lines out there, this song, it doesn't have a lot of lyrics, but some of the, so, you know, Jerry, you didn't have much to choose from, but the lyrics in it, when the train, it left the station with two lights on behind... The blue light was my blues and the red light was my mind. When the train rolled up to the station and I looked her in the eye, well, I was lonesome, I felt so lonesome, and I could not help but cry. And that went to Jarrett, and Jarrett created his piece called um, Only If You Think About It. It seems like I've been leaving you behind at airports most of your whole life. Or road trips across the country drive you somewhere to your new life or previous life and come home empty come home to the present it's only sad if you think about it not you me take us through that process about going from that inspiration and what led you to create the piece like that it was it started with an image of a man standing at the train station watching the love of his life drive away on that train. Um, That was the 
from the prompt song that you provided, um, or at least that's the image I I took from it. Um, and and it, I hadn't really thought about this in a very long time, but um, all of a sudden it's it's many years ago, and I'm in an airport in Regina, Saskatchewan, and I'm watching my daughter's plane pull away, and and um, I'm I'm trying to not think about what I'm thinking about, and um, it just brought back a, a flood of of memories, and um, I mean I talk to my daughter fairly regularly. We you know hi how are you doing, you know we have these phone calls or these Zoom calls, and it's all very above board. But it's it's really difficult actually to just decide you're gonna go deep with somebody or just really open up and express exactly how you feel um you know it, it's 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 kind of hard to go from breakfast at the dinner table to i'm going to open up my soul now and and let you peer inside and be vulnerable um because it would just be too awkward to do i think in person um and i i i was feeling some things about about being a dad and and I wanted to check in with her I guess and that's what this piece kind of meandered towards I also thought about you know craft I didn't want it to just be a be a a stream of consciousness um and uh I'm more of a screenwriter um that's kind of how I I relate to writing so everything's visual and everything's in the present tense and um, but, uh, but crafting a monologue that has some kind of an arc to it was, uh, was, was fighting hard against, you know, being, being this person in the story, you know, writing about someone else who's real and in the story. You could see the craft of your screenwriting in terms of the first half of this, uh, the first half of the monologue was written as a screenplay. And you could see it and you could feel it all the way through. It was about uh, image, 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 image. Then we got to the part about high school. Then all of a sudden it was, oh, I have an internal struggle as this character about trying to find out who I was at that point in time. And then it became, oh, and wait a second, I'm still having a struggle because I'm not sure what I am to you. And this is the as the character, not you specifically, but and then it's uh, then that character struggles with who he was and then what he's given to his child, and it's a lovely arc that you start with all that image based writing and then all of a sudden you get into this very character driven parts that look like a screenplay and have the imaging quality of a screenplay, but they're actually about who that person is at this point in time and in this space. It, 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 it's a great exploration. I have, I have a question for you, Mr. Johnson. Yes. So, I mean, you know me very well and you know my daughter mm -hmm. very well, and you're a, a very talented actor. Um, what was it like for you to step into you know, this character. I, I took the benefit of being in my position to actually cast myself in the piece because I, I think I understood it fairly well. There there was a real defining line right in the middle of the piece that told me who that character was. It was at that point where the, the, the character actually says, 
high school and what it meant to me, not or to how he says it. Uh, I can't remember the line, but um, it's how he high talks. school was a blur. Thank you. High school was a blur to me. Not your, not my high school. Your high school. It's at that exact point that the character becomes real. It's at that point that me as the actor becomes an active participant in the process of telling the story. Because previous to that, it, it was it was much more an observational image-based piece. It was all about saying things about, oh, this happened, and this happened, and, and I remember this picture of who we were in the car, and I remember this picture of where I was at the airport, and I remember this picture of, of being on the phone with you. And it, it's just at that exact moment in time in having this character, that is the point at which it became real. It was... Um... I, I know we're, we're running a little bit long for time on this section, but I, I just want to say that um, I watched the piece. I, like I, I zoomed with my daughter on Monday night at the day the episode came out and she didn't, she, she hadn't heard it before. I, I kind of secretly heard it. And then I, and then I um, went on zoom and I watched my daughter listen to it and she's like, Oh my God, that's Jamie. And, and it was just, we were both like almost crying um and it was just such a special thing and i you know there's these moments in a person's life where you know you're always going to remember them for the rest of your life and that was like a real heartfelt father daughter moment and i i'm grateful to you guys for allowing me that to to be something in my life and just a little background context for i guess listeners uh jared uh has been learning to play the guitar and uh he Anytime, you know, he has people over, oftentimes a guitar comes out. And when it's Jared, when a guitar comes out, eventually he, he wants people to start singing The Weight by the band. <laughs> and uh, so Jamie's first suggestion was he was like, well, you know, I think, you know, there should be somebody playing, learning how to play The Weight by the band in the background. <laughs> and I was like, mm. <laughs> Well, Speaking of copyright problems, yeah. I don't know if we're going to do that, but <laughs> the the blues riffing background of that was kind of our version of, you know, what would it be like if Jarrett was actually just riffing it in his oh, house? That's, that's, that's so touching. <laughs> it, was... it fits the idea of the piece anyway. And there's just a real feeling of, um, of, a, of a character that is, is riffing through his images and trying to communicate something to a person that's not there, that's only seen over a, 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 a screen or heard on a telephone. And that communication is felt through the music of him trying to play at the same time as he's he's talking and and it it it's, it, it worked into a beautiful um fullness as as, as, as uh, to me and I'll stop talking now I, I I'm doing it again all right well with Jamie's uh ceasement of talking and uh if if there's nothing else to add we can go on to the next piece uh, and the next piece was by uh, Danielle Knibby, and it's called The List. The list of what I won't allow myself to think about is getting longer and longer by the day. Push it down and put a smile on my face. 
So she was given Jared's monologue and she turned it into this song. Uh, I'm going to start with Ben. Uh, ben, what were your thoughts on this song and how it evolved from from Jared's monologue? Yeah, I mean, it was it was heartbreaking. I had a couple notes on Jared's monologue that feed like directly into my notes on the song, too. Sure, absolutely. Uh, yeah. But I also like I, I knew that it was autobiographical to a point, um, but I wanted to still just treat it as a like monologue theater piece thing. Um, cause the, the idea that struck me the most from Jared's thing was that it's only sad if you think about it, mm-hmm. um, which it's not like, it's still sad. Even if you're not thinking about it, it's just that you don't have to deal with the processing of those feelings. Um, yeah. And it's, so it's, it's infant mentality. If, if I'm not looking at it, it's not there. You know? Yeah. But it is sad if you think about it and it seems like we're thinking about it a lot and like, in general, as a through line to all of these pieces, I feel like there is kind of that deflection of uh, of acknowledging the sadness around us. The list of what I won't allow myself to think about is getting longer was such a great, like, such a huge line. Yeah, I mean, that's a stunning line as, 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 a, as a person to actually be able to say that about themselves is just yeah. amazing. And as a character... D- I think Danielle, who is an incredibly talented singer, I've heard her play before. I've I've been in a show with her before, and she has this ability to embody the character that she creates in every single song. She has this ability to to make the inside outside and play it to you with a guitar and her voice, and and make it so real you just get lost in 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 what's happening in front of you yeah and it's incredibly relatable like um i mean the as soon as the song started with the line about basically my my brother i'm okay but my brother just called and our family dog is dying like uh, as soon as i heard that i was like okay so this show is the the gleaming sunshine that we all need right now in the middle of the pandemic yeah the the i called this one the weeping episode um it it I I had the pleasure of actually sitting down with my partner on the couch this afternoon and um, and listening to the entire episode from front to back for the first time. I've heard all of it in little bits and pieces before, but I got to sit down and 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 listen to the whole thing through and I cried four times during the show when I was just like, "Oh, I am getting old and the world is hurting me so bad." Even just like in in the vocal performance, there's like a lot of real uh yeah the like deflection but also admission of sadness i don't know it's beautiful the uh one of the most interesting narrative aspects of the way that danielle wrote the song is like you mentioned ben it starts with the line i'm okay which is then immediately ironically twist with except you know my brother's crying and my dog is dying and so it almost seems like a joke where it's like you know other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the rest of the play? But uh, at the end, in the bridge, she comes out and she says that old familiar lie. I'm good. I'm great. I'm fine. And it's it's like narratively, she's then admitting, you know, you know where where I started on this song. I was lying. That's I'm just going to explicitly tell. I'm not okay. And it's it's a great storytelling technique. It, it's an absolutely amazing song. I was blown away by it. I absolutely love it. The thing that was really special about this song was I, I listened to it twice, but I thought 
I was sure that I knew it mm-hmm. and I could sing it. <laughs> um, and of course, this is because of the melody is so beautiful. Um, but it really, it was like, it felt in home, home in me, um, as well, which was like, yes, cause it was, it was instantly relatable and, you know, spending, I spend my entire work day in front of zoom on meetings and you get up in the morning and you're like, I've got to be on all day. Um, and there is, I'm okay. Right. That you could, I could feel, I could feel the mask, Right. The, um, and, and really, the, you know, all, all these things are exploding. But no, great. Um, you know, get on, you know, spend eight hours on a on a video call and, and motivate um, other humans. Um, it really um, it was it was it hit home, I think, um, for me in particular a lot. It's good to wear a mask these days, though. <laughs> um, I, I think the most important line in this entire song and I, I don't mean to take away from everything else because I, I wrote down uh, a ton of stuff about there. Um, I, I love the line, I'm sorry, but you won't get to say goodbye as uh, <laughs> relating to all of the things that are going on now just encapsulates all of the crap that, that is going on in the world. I mean, I'm dealing with my own family things where I can't be there for people that really I should be there for. Yeah, I I had considered that as the title of this episode, the goodbye, and I was like, that's oh, just too yeah. that's just too sad. I, I was like, I'll tone it back yeah, a that, bit. I'll point it at Ben, which is the the funny you know comic relief song that gives you a little bit of a respite. So I'm calling it the yeah, sleep. But, we'll get there, but it's really not that funny. I there's some no, it's, deeply, it's, it's not. You're, you're right. Uh, it's the I'm okay, and it's the refrain of the I'm okay. After everything is done, all this beautiful song has been put through. There's a gorgeous chorus. There's a beautiful bridge. This amazing thing. You know this character is unhappy, and then all of a sudden, Danielle does that lovely little end with the I'm okay, and her voice just breaks right at that very end. It's like the end of this process for her, for this character of going through and figuring out all of the things that are going wrong. And all of a sudden it's just like, ah, there's the end. I'm broken. I'm done. I can't go on anymore. Like, yeah, exactly. The song that was as much uh, uh, of a show as she could put on. Like literally if, yeah. if the, if the recording continued, it would just, there's no more song. There's no more song. <laughs> there are people. Yeah. I'm not okay. <laughs> <laughs> there, there'd be a lone, forlorn yeah. person sitting on a stage with a guitar in their hands going, oh. We squeezed as much music out of that character as possible. That's what the ending says to me. Um, Jarrett, so since it came from your piece, what were your thoughts on how your piece evolved into the song? Um, I I felt like I was still that character. Like, like I felt like Danielle wrote the character that was monologuing just before the song. It felt like like a complete continuation. Um, well, that's impossible because I was the character, Jared. She was singing about me. It couldn't have been you. No, you're wrong. It was me. Um, but I think that's what's beautiful about the song is that everybody can see themselves in that, in that character. We've all said goodbye to um, a grandparent who's dying, a dog who's dying, uh, a plant who's dying. <laughs> um, 
or or a situation that that is um a little bit beyond our control i there's just something in that song that makes it so easy for all of us to slip into and 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 wear those shoes for a while um and uh i i mean i i feel like like the monologue and the song are kind of belong to each other in a, in a way it was like Danielle just did such an incredible job uh with with telling a story uh with song yeah and i think that's that's also part and parcel about everything that happened in this particular episode is that the the ability for anybody outside of it to sit back and say hey i am a part of this i am a person that is in this piece and the ability for everybody sitting outside to to actually be inside the piece is overwhelming throughout the entire mm-hmm. thing well how many people are going to have the personal experience of being in a pandemic i mean really <laughs> um i tell you so i have uh I have some uh, uh, comments from Danielle about what she took from Jared's piece and the development of her song. So what she says is, uh, I love this monologue so much, but I would say I responded in quite a visceral way to the repeating theme of it's only sad if you think about it that runs through the piece. So uh, spoiler alert, it turns out that Ben nailed it. Okay. (laughs) Well, it's a good line. Uh, But she goes on to say. Yeah. She goes on to say, throughout the early months of the pandemic, I've been telling myself that I would not, under any circumstances, write a song about COVID or the pandemic or isolation. And for my own mental health, I was putting those feelings in a box and tucking them away and focusing on putting one foot in front of the other. And then around the time that I was sent this monologue, I got a mini avalanche of bad news and my resistance was worn down. I've been trying to not be sad for many, many months and failing, of course, even though I was trying. And I think the fact that I could tuck my COVID sadness in among a bunch of other sadness made me feel better about giving it lyrical space, if that makes sense. The idea of writing a song about how hard it is to not be sad felt much more inspiring than, quote, I'm so sad. The idea of learning how to cope with a sadness that threatens to overwhelm you if you make eye contact a sadness that lingers. That's what really spoke to me through the monologue. So I'm very grateful for the project uh, in giving me the therapeutic opportunity. Um, Yeah, so uh, pretty much what Ben said, I guess. I didn't know we were going to be therapists for this. So far, we've been a therapist for Jared. We've been a therapist for Daniel. Um, Ben, are we going to be a therapist for you Oh, I can't wait. (laughs) Yeah, Ben, what's wrong with you? Oh, it's going to be good. There's a lot going on. Um, okay, so uh, Danielle's piece takes us into the next monologue, which was written by uh, Kate Verneberg, and it was called Infinity. A dog watches me from across the way. He lies his big bloodhound head in the window and gazes at me through both panes of glass. I watch him sleep when the light goes off in his apartment. When I go out in my blanket scarf, I'm going to meet this dog. Wearing my gorgeous cape, my handmade cape. This dog is going to be outside. He's just going to have jumped off a snowbank. His fur will be full of tiny diamonds. He'll shake out his big floppy ears and nuzzle my fingers. And I'll pet him. So, uh, for this piece, I think I'm going to just say a couple things first because for me, I felt like there was another layer of kind of like inspiration, I guess, 
maybe that's a way of putting it in the sense that I felt like the piece changed uh, between the uh, the written word and the performance more so than a lot of other pieces. Um, and I loved the performance and the performance. But when we got the performance, I, I listened to it and it felt a lot more, a lot, a lot less uh, hopeful a lot less, you know, cheer up, everybody. We're going to have scarves. And a lot more, this scarf will keep the world from ending. <laughs> oh, my God. And so it, uh, and that, when I got that, that kind of lent into the kind of the, the, the musical background that I lent to it. And so I'm, I'm throwing that out there maybe for other people's interpretations because um, I think there is kind of a dichotomy in this piece in particular between the words and, and the performance of those words. But, uh, Kimmy, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it instantly reminded me of y- yarn bombing. Um, I don't know if you've, if you've ever been in a, in a city where you've seen this happen or a neighborhood where you've seen this happen. And it's always like somebody, it's always in the middle of the night and, and somebody's like the, the, the planning and the plotting that goes into yarn. It's sort of, it's such a, little niche of society and and what is the uh um and and what is all of that about and um i've never well, tell me because actually i'm not sure what oh, this is what is your bombing it's like so you like you might say so, so we've got a statue um in the in the square um people will will figure out the dimensions of that statue and then knit things either complete outfits sometimes oh, um i've seen okay <laughs> um and 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 they've, they've done it with trees as well and uh, the, 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 that's where things start to get controversial because it's not it's not not very good for nature but um it's fine for us you know an iron statue um and you see um i was in i was in Asheville, north carolina um once which is a sort of a like a hippie little <laughs> um um mountain town and i woke up one morning and everything was filled with yarn these huge statues because um and and it's it, it it's hard to figure out like it it was utterly and perfectly joyful <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, that sounds terrifying. Like, to me, that sounds like the plot of a Twilight Zone episode. Like, I wake up in the morning and everything is yarn. And I'm just like, why is it all yarn? And they're like, it's always been yarn, Sean. And I'm like, no. Well, I don't mind that myself. I, I think there's a beauty to the fact that somebody has wrapped me in exactly. yarn in the morning. I, I think that's a great thing. When, when, when Sean, you said, like, this 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 scarf is going to save the planet, um, I, I kind of feel like, is is that what the yarn, yarn bombers are thinking? Because I don't, I don't. I don't, I don't get it. Um, but <laughs> There's somebody wonderful at Pape and Danforth uh, leaving crocheted hearts all over the place. Oh, is there? And just spreading love. Oh. It brings me a little it's bit wonderful. of joy um, every time I see that kind of thing. And this is, a, the, I sort of, I sort of got the hope, um, fa- sort of found the hope of hope um, in there as well with just, you know, um, but it was this sort of thing. I'll just do this thing and I'll do this thing and I can do anything for 15 minutes and everything for 15 minutes and just keep going for 15 minutes. And, and by the end, you know, you've got yeah. a building covered in yarn. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I think, you know, even just describing it that way, I think it ties it back into what Danielle was talking about 
where it's this it's this effort not to think about things like if if i just keep my mind on the yarn the pandemic doesn't exist you know all that all that matters is the yarn that's all i'm gonna think about there's no pandemic you know yeah but but there's also a, a quite a beauty in that is the fact that it, it, it is this sort of um, unending sisyphean kind of 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 task that this character has set for themselves or i don't know if it's set for themselves but has given themselves and and the fact that they're carrying on and carrying on and carrying on is it, it's almost like they're they're actually getting to the point where the it's that as you were just saying it's the task that carries you through the pain it's the task that carries you through the worrisome world that's going on around you it's the ability to consume yourself with that one thing that allows everything to pass by till you get to the point where you can just say to the world that that it's good again so i i think it's quite a a, a wonderful piece just for that concept of hope that if we just keep going on and and again it's the the same thing as the previous piece if you just keep going on and keep going on and 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 turning around to yourself and and as danielle said uh, danielle said uh the list of what i won't allow myself to think about if you keep doing that then you're gonna get through it then you're going to be to the point where everything will pass by. Yeah, and so the scarf is almost like a, a reification of the metaphor from the song. And, and it's, you know, you can almost imagine it yeah. that, you know, knit one, pearl two, every single that every single uh, step was something that she didn't want to think about, you know? And so, and that it is literally getting longer each time that she does it. You know, um, what's interesting is the list of all the things I won't allow myself to think about grows longer and longer every day. And so in in the song, it's like she's like crushing down all these thoughts. And in the monologue that follows is 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 this scarf that just keeps growing and growing and growing. And one in one in one aspect in the song it's becoming more and more invisible and in in the in the monologue um the thing that's growing longer and longer is is becoming you know something to really yeah have it's, to deal it, with. It, it's it's a constant and 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 it's the fact that at the end of the piece that when they get to that point if they ever get to that point that character gets to it they've created something from it They've made something from it. They've got that, that, that bit of something that means more than just wallowing. It, yeah. Like where the, the process isn't necessarily beautiful, but the punchline might be. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's all about what, what happens when we get there. You know, the other thing that's kind of built into it, whether or not it's an intentional punchline or not, is that the context of this is that she's knitting this or he's knitting this uh through the pandemic and he keeps saying you know i did i didn't think it was going to be this long you know now it's too long <laughs> and it's like the none of us thought it was going to be this long <laughs> none of us thought the pandemic was going to be this long yeah we also uh, must uh, talk about the fact that when, when kate sent this to us she sent she definitely sent it to us with the the caveat that this was a piece that was meant to be gender neutral and she made a very specific point about saying that this is about everybody. This is not about anybody particularly uh, according to their sex or whatever. The, the, the quote, knitting in this case is just a metaphor for creation. And um, that, that was the reason that I got 
um, Mr. Kirk Dunn to actually record this piece is because he is the knitting guy, and you can look him up online as the knitting guy. That's what he does. He is an actual knitting artist, and you can see his work online. He's got these huge tapestries that he knitted over a process of 15 years. He's got a complete touring play that goes with it and everything else. It's an absolutely joy. If you ever see it, go see it. It's it's amazing. Um, but he, the, He's the, got a knitting voice, for sure. Yeah, he's a, he's a very wonderful actor. So I have some comments here from Kate. Uh, and so what Kate said was, the song I was sent was incredibly sad, and I could only listen to it two or three times. So here we go. The weeping episode strikes again. I pulled out some phrases and a general mood, and I rescued that dog from death. And this that particular part I want to flag, because I'll go on. I think my piece speaks to an internal, uh, internal imaginative world coping by disassociation. It's a balance of fantasy, hopefulness, and naivety. And I hope the listener feels a little bit uplifted hearing it, and it was nice to hear a masculine voice talking about knitting and blanket capes. And it was... The thing that I didn't realize until she pointed it out was the rescue that dog from death in, in taking the, the actual dog, which was such a emotional moment from the song, and making that a plot point in her monologue... But that plot point in the monologue, I think, and Ben can correct this, I think it is the source of the quote that then goes into Ben's song, because it's the watching the dog sleep. Well, I feel like we'll get even further because I don't mention I don't mention a dog once in my song. I took the dog from this story that I guess took the dog from the song before. But the monologue, I did not mention dogs whatsoever, and I actually made a point not to. But the monologue, like, right after me, mentions dogs. Yeah. But I figure that's just because people love dogs. But it's it's very weird that, that I disappeared the dog and it reappeared. It's, it's, it's literally the same thing. It just transforms into a metaphor and then transforms back. Because in Danielle's song, it's about dying. The dog is dying. And then that becomes sleeping. As a metaphor, not necessarily like as taking the image of a dog dying and turning it into a dog sleeping. And then that's sleeping, which then becomes sleeping, which becomes dying, which becomes dying. And so it's the same idea and it just changes forms and then changes back. Anyway, it's, I think that that takes us into Ben E. Wood's song Sleep. We got a lot of constants now. So I'm going to start with Ben then. Ben, what were your thoughts on Kate's monologue and how did you turn that into your song? Sure. Okay. So this this was my prompt piece um, and I got it. I And like, I really, I did love the idea of the infinity scarf that goes on forever and ever. Um, and, and the idea, I think it still squeezes into this like through line arc of the entire episode of like... Uh, deflecting away from acknowledging sadness or acknowledge like acknowledging something urgent that needs to change um so the the ongoing process of of making a scarf 
and like the immense loneliness that came with that monologue um, made me think, because there's just this one very short scene in the monologue about, and I wish I had the quote in front of me because I feel like I really do want to respect the piece enough to explain why, why my song came out of it. But the idea of you're lonely, you're looking out the window and you see the playful dog and you think one day you might be able to, you know, wear gloves and play around in the winter with this dog and the dog watches you sleep and you watch the dog sleep. But I mean, that's not, that's really like a, a subconscious reading of the monologue and not, uh, not true to the work. So not direct quotes. Um, but that's what I got from it. Uh, and so the song I wrote is kind of, uh, an anthem for self-care and accountability to your partner. You could replace it with like, why don't we watch each other drink water? Or why don't we watch each other try to eat three meals a day or wake up at a good time or go to bed at a good, like whatever it is. So, but it's kind of this like playful idea of like, hey, I noticed that, you know, neither of us are sleeping. Mm -hmm. What if we tried this? Um, and it's kind of like what Kate mentioned about in her piece talking about the disassociation, you know, the kind of, thing that everyone's encountering especially people who live alone like the character in that monologue um or other people it starts to become to the point where like well if nobody sees me do anything do i even exist is anything happening as time progressing and so yeah it's it's the ultimate you know romantic thought where it's just like i'm just gonna look at you while you do the most mundane activity possible, literally lie motionless, <laughs> that will assure you that you exist. I, I thought there was something so, so just sweet and lovely about, I mean, the your, your singing voice, Ben, and, and the lyric and, and the, the tone of the song. Um, you know, I, you know, I have a questionable mind about certain things, um, but I didn't. I didn't go there. I didn't. I didn't go to a naughty place. I, it was just such a sweet, endearing um, thing. Um, let's just watch each other sleep. Like it just. It just seemed like such a, such a silly little, um, intimate, beautiful thing. So, uh, Kim, I'll get to you because this goes into your piece. Uh, but the one thing. I think I'll say just just right now is that, uh, Ben, we loved your song so much, especially for this episode, because it, it, it twists the ideas in such an unexpected way and introduces uh, a totally different tone and also introduces different uh, layers of those ideas um, that... In subsequent episodes, Jamie and I have talked about when we're trying to like establish, well, who's going to be in this episode? What's the order going to be? We've talked about like, okay, we need someone like Ben in the middle to make sure that, you know, every piece isn't just, well, this one's about death again. And I'm going to talk about death. <laughs> you need, you need a Ben Wood to make sure the telephone is broken. Yeah. Well, we need a Ben Wood <laughs> to shake things up so that, uh, you know, it at least takes two more pieces before it gets back to death, which is what happens here. Uh, right. <laughs> Let's Ben Wood this thing. I appreciate having a, having a sort of a, a production nickname in the process of this show. So that takes us uh, to the next piece, uh, which was written by Kim Crosscup. It's called Joe. Uh, and so, Kim, why don't you tell us what you took from Ben's song and how that led into your piece? 
Yeah, so Ben, so Ben instantly Ben's song brought me joy. Um, I was I was in bed listening to it. It was like nine o'clock in the morning. I think I got it on a Friday um, right before starting work, and um, and the um, and then it's sort of like you know we we got a lot of projects on, and it was like I'm like this is motivating. I'm, I'm feeling good, and it was like, and all of a sudden all of the syllables and like we could watch each other sleep, right? And I was like, okay. Um, but then, like, quickly went from, oh, that's a bit odd, to, like, it being, s- like, such a sweet thing. Like, the, and I was just, like, there was even this part where it was, like, if you were interested. Um, which, for me, I felt like was, like, a shout out to the, the consent, and there was so much in this new team movement. I was, like, you know, there was this, like, oh, you know, like, if you wanted to try. And there's a shyness behind it that I thought was kind of adorable, because it was, like, these people are together, but, like... The, the, to ask that, um, and to what that cost. But I started to think about it and in my bed alone, um, thinking about, you know, what, 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 what is that? Like, what is that about? Um, because it's such an intimate thing, right? It's this thing we do. And to, to even to have someone in your bed is to trust. Um, and I am, I just, I, I've never been a good sleeper. Um, and, uh, like I'm, a, I'm a, like I, I used to, you know, I used to have a quite, quite, I used to have a lot of nightmares, but um, better, better now. But I, just, I don't like sleep. I don't want to sleep. It takes away from my life. And I'm like, oh, I gotta go to bed. It's like two o'clock in the morning. Gotta work. Um, so I'm a horrible, horrible sleeper. And I was like, huh, what would that? What, what is that like? Um, and so that's sort of what I, what I took into. Um, to, 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 to Joe and, um, uh, sort of asked myself those questions as I, as, as, as I worked through the piece, not intending originally for there to, it to be about death, which is so interesting when you, when you listen to everything from the beginning, um, which of course, of course, from the, from the first moment, um, I was going to have, you know, I was going to have to kill Joe, but, <laughs> um, it was, it's so obvious. Um, actually when I, when, when I, when, when the, uh, the wonderful actress, um, read the piece, I was like, of course, of course. Cause it kind of like, I had this moment when I was writing it where I was like, oh no, I, I've got to kill him. And, uh, well, it starts in the past tense. It does. Joe could sleep. Joe could sleep. Better than anyone I ever but- New, so yeah. I, you know, from the first, from the second word, yeah. you are you are dooming this character. To I their know, which is like, yeah, which is why it was so obvious hearing it back, as opposed to the uh, the experience of writing it was was a memory. Um. That past tense will kill you. Yeah. Bum, bum. <laughs> Joe could sleep unlike anyone I'd ever met. It was like an Olympic sport for him. He was determined. It didn't matter what time it was or how loud or uncomfortable his surroundings were. He could somehow always sleep. Through thunderstorms, barking dogs, loud music, it didn't matter. If he made his mind up to sleep, he slept. I was not so lucky. We actually met on an airplane. Well, I guess we didn't actually meet on the airplane. That's just where we saw each other for the first time. I had just turned 25. And I sort of picking up on... Um something Ben said earlier, though, but it is interesting how so many of the previous motifs showed up in your monologue, Kim, even though there's no reason to understand why that happened. But, you know, we have the plane from Jared's monologue about putting someone on a plane. 
it was such a central part of Jared's story, and then it becomes such a central part of your story. You spend so much time, and it feels like it's the same plane. It's like, oh, the plane is back. That freaked me out yeah. when I was listening to everything. Yeah, I was like, wow. Yeah. Well, and but also the moment in the plane, if like sleeping through something traumatic, where it's it's only sad or it's only scary if you think about it. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If you're not thinking about the plane turbulence, it's not. It's not scary. It's not yeah. happening. It's not there. Interesting. Oh, wow. And yeah. uh, and then you have obviously you bring back the the sleeping slash death, which you know ties back into the. Uh, the dog relationship that we had seen previously. And so, you know, it, it, it is, I don't, you cheated, obviously. You obviously read all the pieces. <laughs> and you mentioned, yeah, you mentioned barking dogs. There was barking dogs. There's I was like, line- was there a dog? Yeah, 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 there was barking dogs. Barking dogs. Um, there you go. It was so interesting. I'm, I'm really interested because, like, Jamie knows me as, a, as an actor, I think. Uh, mostly this is uh, the first time I, I, I wrote a piece in a, in a very long time. So um, for me, uh um, it was really wonderful because that, you know, especially not wanting to write something about the pandemic, right? But wanting to write and feeling like there was something to say, but how to say it not be a pandemic story. Um, and this was this was so perfect to 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 to, to take something and, and be inspired of that and and sort of run with it. So it was uh, it was um, really cool for me. But I was um, I was wondering, Jamie, what what you would think because it's a lot darker than I think. Than, than you normally see. <laughs> oh yeah, well you hadn't heard any of our episodes yet, so the the, the difference is that that I knew you wrote. I you told me about uh, yeah. the the plays that you've toured before. We we talked many yeah. times about uh, other pieces of writing that you have. I talked about my writing. You talked about yours. I mean, you're you're putting a, a point of, uh, putting a point across that could only come from you. I'd go, yay me, but I don't really think that's a good thing to say. Congratulations, Jamie. (laughs) There's one person responsible for this monologue. I think it's you. (laughs) You should feel very proud of this work. I I do. I pat myself on the back all the time. Uh, I just loved how well-defined the character was um, and how, you know, it 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 was really... It was really a tiny piece in the sense that it wasn't about some, you know, big epic, you know, journey um, with, with a massive arc. It was it was uh, it was a simple little love story, um, and uh, and it was so sweet and 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 charming. And um, you know, it, I think it goes to speak to kind of something that was common throughout all the pieces is is you know no, people tend we could we ha- as writers as as creators we we can have these big epic stories we can paint a whole entire universe and we all chose to to paint these tiny little moments and it's it's there's something so powerful about about being small with 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 these moments um that makes them so profound and um i really loved how you um, you know, really, yeah, really and, and that runs lines, all the way through this uh, entire program, um, right from the very beginning. It's all about moments. It's all about the the creation of moments to 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 make people feel something that they don't necessarily want to feel, uh, but they should feel. 
and everybody seems to be doing it and doing it very well. And and there's an incredible amount of, of like I said, I cry enough anyway. I don't need to be doing it all the time. But you guys just keep making me cry all the time. It's really starting to piss me off. You need to get out more, Jamie. I don't I know. Go to the park. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I also think that like I was just gonna say the music and the beeping uh in the background that underscored the story was done so tastefully that it took oh. You know, 75% through the piece for me to realize that I was being, like, uh, moved by it. Manipulated. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, that's what I was going to say. I was wondering, because <laughs> uh, the beeping was at the at the end, and I was wondering, were, was the beeping in the airplane as well when the when the there was like a hint because of the seatbelt sign. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, but they were yeah sporadic yeah, beeping at the beginning. Attack. Yeah, it was throughout everything. At the very beginning, I tried to hide them behind the notes of the glockenspiel. Yeah. And so it was very subtle. And then when the character talks about the beeping of the seatbelt light, then it comes in repeatedly for just a moment. And you're like, yeah, oh, is that the seatbelt light? And then it disappears again. And again, I try to hide it until the end when it starts to grow and then it becomes a more it was so thing. yeah. It was, it was so subtle that I actually thought that I had to reset my oven clock. <laughs> I was like, what is that? I, was like, I thought you were saying that I actually was having a heart attack. It was so subtle that I was paranoid that all of this was happening yeah. on my yeah. deathbed. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well, speaking, I guess, of deathbeds, that brings us to just to bring it down a bit from that lighthearted jaunt we had. Uh, that brings us to uh, James Aries, the final piece and his song, The Last Time. Hear you if I close my eyes. We both know that I've never been that good at to start with you again uh kimmy just because this came out of your piece what were your thoughts on this song yeah, i mean to, what a great song to end on as well for this whole thing because it was really about you know <laughs> um and i don't know i didn't know where i would be in the whole the whole thing so i don't think he, he would have known as well um but yeah i think somebody said earlier that they felt like the words and the music went together and i felt I felt similar about the song. Also, it was like it was really long and epic, <laughs> um, and um, there was there was I think the lyric there was a lyric about it being um, the not being able to say goodbye. Yeah, that's a repeated and, lyric throughout the entire. Yeah, thing. and that was I was like, yeah, because he was gonna you know like it, it felt like. It's just another morning, right? He's gonna wake up. He's gonna wake up, and then he and then he doesn't. And there's that 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 because awful- it was a car accident was- <laughs> for Joe in a different city. She wasn't even in the same city than yeah. him. So almost just in the background context of that, it seems to me like not only did she not get to say goodbye to Joe, she hadn't even said a short term no. goodbye in probably days because he was at work. He was doing something. Maybe they talked on the phone. 
but there, you know, that, that there's a big gap between the last time they actually got to be together, and so that that goodbye is something that's really missing. Yeah, and 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 and, and that's something like watching that I've seen so much of pe- people losing their parents, and um, a story about a friend being snuck into a hospital to say goodbye to her father, um, who, who died in New York um, of, of COVID um, um, several months ago, and, and these sort of not. But a lot of people not being able to be with it, it felt felt really real. <laughs> I feel like you know, people. Um, there's a lot of there's a there's a lot of tragedy that's ha- personal tragedy that's happening, and we can't be there for for the people we want to be there for. And his piece just sort of you know, brought, brought it all, <laughs> brought it all home. It was, it was incredibly touching. Yeah. I think even the details of like, it might've been a Thursday and like, put like taking small talk and making small talk important. The like the mundane, like, that's not what this is about. Nobody really, like, we're not really talking about what, how you cooked your potatoes <laughs> last night, but like, but that's the part that you're for some reason holding on to. Cause it was like, whatever the last thing they said to you or whatever. Yeah. It's taking, yeah, it's taking the small talk and elevating it. Cause that's what the character's holding on to. But he's not only elevating it to lyrics, rhyming lyrics, he's orchestrating it. Like there that <laughs> it is, it is this big triumphant piece. Uh, you know, you can imagine there's a whole stage full of people saying it might have been a Thursday, you know. Like it's- yeah, no, it's super musical theater, like very, like gigantic vibes. The way that it was produced and performed was just like very theatrical, very huge. Yeah, but the intent of the song is always broken down to that fine, fine little tiny thing. It's the ability to say goodbye. Yeah. And, and, and that motif, despite... Uh, branching off for a second is repeated throughout every single piece in the stream. The whole concept of goodbyes is throughout all of it. Except for yours, Ben. I'm sorry. I'm not, not, not to put anything on you. It's not there explicitly, but it's there implicitly. That concept of goodbye is in the concept of sleep. It's involved with the concept of sleep because every time we go to sleep, we are saying goodbye to the world. Whoa. And my mind. <laughs> oh my god, I'm terrified now. Jamie, what are you doing? We don't always wake up again. <laughs> How's everyone gonna sleep tonight, huh? Huh? Sleepers? <laughs> yeah, we should we should probably we should probably all sing a lullaby together or something right now for anybody listening to this before bed. Uh, I'll I'll bust out yeah. the Glockenspiel again. Um uh, You guys you guys need to do an undead episode, I think. Sorry, what do you mean by that? Like a zombie apocalypse kind of thing, yeah. Well, we got a zombie piece in episode three. I mean, Tim, Tim does a zombie piece. I thought you just meant finally an episode that doesn't mention death. Oh yeah, because that that that's something we haven't done yet. That is something yeah. that we need to do. Yeah. So we should put that in the rules. We should just be like, you know, here's your inspiration song. You know, just so you know, we don't want a complete adaptation. Just so you know, we want you to take ins- uh, also no death. You, you could you could have saved Joe. You could have saved him if you'd done that. I do. I want to say as a participant in this, like I think you guys have actually set up a really interesting space for artists to make something cool and to like be able to take a risk in not knowing exactly what you're going to be included in. But but taking the risk, knowing that the people curating it are putting together a show that's going to have some kind of through line and themes that run through and have some kind of like relation between pieces that like, 
I didn't feel too stressed out participating in it. And I think you guys have done a really good, good job of like creating that space. That's great. Thank you. While I'm making yeah, fun of the show for talking about death too much, I just want to <laughs> also say that it is a beautiful project. And I, I do think maybe the risk that we take if we if we say no death is that uh, what will happen is a week later, people come back and be like, I don't know what to write about. <laughs> I got nothing. You said no death and I was just empty. Anyway, uh, that, to, to, I think uh, to finish off here, um, again, the, the one last... Uh, <clears throat> I keep saying, it, I've, I've talked about it a couple of times in this, is that the simplicity of the last lines as what is the, is the kicker in the balls, is the, you know, all the rest of it. And throughout this uh, song, the character in that song keeps saying, I'm never good at saying goodbye. I'm never good at saying goodbye. And the last line he has in that, that, that large tones and everything else is, I just want to say goodbye. And it's a it's a good funnel line for the song, and it's a good funnel line for the episode. Uh, I totally agree. I think it wraps up and it touches on a lot of the pieces. It could have been the final line of you know most of the pieces in uh, in this episode. And uh, one going back to something that that Ben said again, uh, just talking about how you know it's making this this piece is kind of building up a lot out of out of small talk, and to me it feels like. Like there's a meta element to that because it's like the character is holding on to these these fragments of of memories the last time he spoke to this this person and that means so much to him and it's like you know it's elevating those pieces to the point where you're orchestrating it you're building it up and James himself is uh, uh, although I don't know the exact background of you know of his production you know he did this orchestration himself we're in lockdown you know it's kind of the same thing where he's just got this tiny project and he's taking you know these words and he's just pouring on all these layers of orchestration and stuff to elevate this only thing he has which is the same thing that you know the knitter is doing it's just taking this project and just that's the only thing they have and it's the same thing that Danielle is saying about, you know, this list of things that I'm trying to just take my mind off of reality and focus on a small project at the moment. And, uh, you know, it's I just find it so interesting how all those things keep reflecting in different aspects. Um, Jared, uh, you started the episode and this is the end of it. Do you have any thoughts about uh, where it ended based on where it started with you? Um, I mean, I, I just want to echo what others have said. It, it's 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 really fun as 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 a as an artist to to see how the themes carry over how there's just something something in the ether that makes it um carry over through the through the different pieces even though we've never read each other's works or heard each other's songs necessarily but i mean other than kimmy cheating and reading everybody's stuff <laughs> clearly uh alien uh psychic or something who can uh yeah, dive into it all. So uh, just to, I guess, wrap this up, then I have comments from James about his piece. So what James says is this. The image from Kim's monologue that resonated most with me was the speaker sitting silently by their comatose loved one's bedside in the hospital. So many of us can relate personally to this experience. For me, I thought of my late grandmother who fell suddenly into a coma in early 2016 before passing. It was also impossible to ignore that over the past year, the pandemic has put many people in a similar situation 
or they cannot be with a loved one in their final moments and therefore are unable to say goodbye the way that they wish that they could. So my ambition was to write a way to say goodbye for anyone who had never had that chance. And with that in mind, I knew I wanted to try to write something universal. Um, and the challenge was to communicate a clear story while avoiding any specifics. So to help the listener focus on the lyrics, I made the song fairly simple musically. And this is simple from James's perspective. If you've heard some of his other stuff, he's a very harmonically complex composer. And I highly recommend checking uh, his other works out. But uh, he says, apart from the verses, chorus, and bridge all being in different keys. Yeah, it's a very simple song. <laughs> when something more interesting is happening in the music, uh, like the chorus hook or the instrumental break, then there, you know, the lyrics uh, fade away. The gentle harp and uh, Celeste Parks in the background are meant to represent a kind of lullaby inspired by the monologue's reference to how peaceful one looks when they're in a coma. Uh, and then he quotes... Uh, the monologue here that he looked peaceful he was just sleeping this is one example of how even though i did not use any particular lines from kim's monologue her piece still informed the actual musical composition there yeah obviously yeah <laughs> well uh then i would like to thank uh everyone who joined us today uh my uh co-producer jamie johnson uh kim Croscup. Uh, Jarrett Rusnak and Ben E. Wood for joining us for this episode. Um, just to wrap up, uh, our next episode, which is going to be episode six, will be released two weeks after this episode, this talkback comes out. Um, if you'd like to reach us, you can contact us at streams and variations podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we are on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at, at variations pod. And you can uh, listen to all of the episodes, uh, find information about all the artists, uh, download most of the songs, uh, get links to the prompts on our website, which is streamsandvariations.com. So uh, thanks to everyone for listening. Um, thanks, everyone else. Hey, could I plug my band cam? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Plug what you want, buddy. Plug away, Ben. Yeah, yeah. I, why not? You'll be edited out, but well, you can plug. <laughs> well, hey, I might as well do it now. <laughs> Uh, it's weak old baby, like feeble aged infant, W E A K old baby dot bandcamp dot com and Instagram is the same. Absolutely. And Ben just released uh, a new album called I've Got a Failing, which is absolutely fantastic. I highly recommend it. It's so, uh, musically creative and it's so lyrically fun. Uh, it, it plays off a lot of the same style of the piece that he, uh, lent to this episode. Um, well, while we're here, Kim, uh, do you have anything to plug? You got a band camp? Do you got a SoundCloud? <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of, um, I've got some, um, some, some theater, some Zoom theater coming up. Um, I'm part of a, I think it's nine plays in 90 minutes on, um, April 11th with the Haven Festival. Um, and, um, at Alumni Theater is doing a virtual recorded myth this year. So that's going to come up, um, sometime in April. She says, not knowing the exact dates. Um, but, uh, you heard it here um, first, everyone. Sometime in April. In April. Put it in the calendar. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Jarrett, anything? Uh, well, with the weather turning warm and the COVID turning down, um, we're probably going to resume the Incubation Backyard series uh, in the next uh, few weeks. And uh, we have uh, musicians playing in the backyard around a bonfire. And uh, it's a nice, intimate little gathering. Always uh, 
socially distant, uh, and um, and it's a it's a fun time and a special time. Ben Woods played the backyard a couple times, and uh, Ben Wood has played the backyard a couple times, um, and uh, and uh, love to have you back again, Ben. Yeah, I'd love to do it. Well, yeah, whenever it seems like a safe idea, I'm right there. I'd love it. That, those were yeah, two great shows for sure. All right. Well, thanks everyone. I think that wraps it up. I think we're done. Uh, so if there's anything you you want to say now that it's not going in the episode, uh, tell us what you really think about Jared's piece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a piece of crap. <laughs>